Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning and welcome in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins. And today is Wednesday, so we got another guest with us today. That is producer Lance Glenn. Hopefully you got all your questions in when you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast on Spotify and Apple. That is the place to do it. So if you didn't get it in this week, next week you got a question. That's the place to do it. Make sure to leave a five-star review. Also ask a question there as well. Great episode yesterday talking about a few of the more recent commitments. Chris Gold being one of them. Also Micah Hudson, the Texas Tech big win for Joey McGuire. But with that being said, before we start our episode, Andrew, good morning. Great to see you, my friend. Hump day, Wednesday, middle of the week. How are we feeling? What are the vibes like? Vibes are good. What about you? <laughs> vibes are good man just crushing a lot of tape you know getting access I mean, to some college tape i'm excited about that a little top two four seven it's that time of year right i mean we got a rankings update coming up so fired up man when, when life is simple and it's just tape and you're, you're sitting at your desk and you're there for two hours and those are the simple things right they're nice little reminders so yeah that's what, I was gonna say. that's what i was gonna say i mean Nothing too exciting going on. Just watching a lot of games. <laughs> just guys being dudes, watching ball. That's all it is. All right. Well, let's not uh, waste any more time. Producer Lance Glenn, welcome, my friend. Good to have you back. I know you had the off day yesterday. Talk to us. Let's get this mailbag started. Yeah, well, unlike you guys, I'm not one to watch film. In fact, the only film that I've been watching is the Rutgers Temple film from this past weekend. <laughs> Rewatching that, seeing what went right, what went wrong. Uh, t- checking in on a little bit of Virginia Tech too because that's who Rutgers plays this weekend uh the Hokies going through a little bit of a a couple of injuries so uh should benefit my Scarlet Knights come Saturday what, what are we Lance are we 2-0 right now we're 2-0 where we we beat up on Northwestern we beat Temple handily we have a uh, Virginia Tech this weekend I think we're six and a half or six point favorites I uh, have them at home um then we go to Michigan which is always obviously tough um, in Jim Harbaugh's return game, if I'm correct, the Jim Harbaugh return game, and then we welcome Wagner. So we win this week. I'm confident we're four and one heading into, you know, the rest of the way being Big Ten play. So a lot of riding on this game. Man. I don't a lot of riding on this game. I don't want to offer it too much, Andrew. Yeah. I kind of wanted to ask you about this as well. What the heck happened to Virginia Tech? 
they what they is so happening to Virginia Tech? So many injuries right now. For I feel bad. Like their best receiver, Ali Jennings. I don't know if he's out for the year, but Brent Pryor already said he's not playing this week. A lot of injuries for them. I haven't dug into the uh, Virginia Tech two game season breakdown. <laughs> I've not just, watched. I've watched. No, the thing is, I have. I have. Oh, I've been watching a lot of Virginia Tech this week. Trust me. I get that, but they are one of those programs that, like, I think they're capable of kind of outkicking their coverage. Being where they're located geographically, being able to recruit Virginia Beach, the DMV, they've been underwhelming to me in the Brent Pry era. And I know it's early, but it's like early returns. I'd be, I'd, I'd be a little bit concerned here. Either way, I, I think that's fair. I mean, you peek at the 2024 recruiting class, and there's some guys I like, but it's it just seems like they could be doing a little bit more. I agree. All right, now that we got the Rutgers, Virginia Tech out of the system, Lance, let's get back on uh, on script here. What do we got? Big game. Well, thank you again to everyone who sent in the mailbag questions. Just remember, I'm going to prioritize those questions that come via the five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, we do always post that tweet the day before, usually around noon. I posted it a little bit later yesterday. Um, but again, you can always send your questions in that way. However, I will make sure to get first to the ones that are submitted via the five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So let's get right to it. The first question coming from Valhalla24. He asks, how much of a benefit is it for Colorado recruiting to have guys like Michael Irvin, and many others, as we you know see during the games and on the videos afterwards, on the sidelines to you know show out and potentially mingle with both the players, the fans, and the recruits. Time out, real quick. Did you guys know game day was there this weekend, this upcoming weekend? I did not. They're going so this weekend they have game day, big noon kickoff, which isn't even broadcasting the game because it's like a night game. Um, and supposedly like 60 minutes is going to be there to do some type of story on Colorado too. So it's a busy, busy weekend in Boulder. Big noon kickoff is going back to back weeks. Back to back. They were supposed to go to Penn state. Illinois. They were supposed to go to Champaign for Penn state, Illinois. And it, the funniest thing about it is as I was watching that game against Nebraska, I saw like advertisements like, Oh, big noon kickoff going to Illinois. And then like right at the end of the game, Gus Johnson comes on as like, you know, we have some news like, We'll be back here next week as Colorado takes on Colorado State. But Fox isn't even broadcasting the game. So I think they're just going to go because it draws ratings, which makes schedule sense. schedule this week must be awful. Awful. Awful slate. Rutgers Virginia Tech is the highlight of the week. Let's be real. No, no, it's not. <laughs> All right, what were we even talking about? Going, going right, back to the let question, me repeat the Drew. Question. Let me repeat the question. So it's from Valhalla. He asked, how much of a benefit is it for Colorado recruiting to have guys like Michael Irvin and other celebrities on the sidelines during their games? Well, I I went and looked it up just to see who else was there. I mean, Stephen A. Smith, Pharrell Owens, the Wu-Tang Clan, multiple NBA players. Shannon Sharp? Yeah, who was like slept on a private jet. I mean, I want that life and and showed up at 7 a.m. in Boulder. I think Prime has made, and it's clear by the amount of shows and 
60 minutes. He's made Colorado the early story of the college football season. So I think it it's huge. And we live in a social media driven era. And these young recruits, 16, 17, 18 year, year olds, all they want to do is post stuff on Instagram, TikTok, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. So I think having these celebrities on the sidelines is is a difference maker that others can't really offer right now. So I think it's huge in that sense. And I just think the fact that Colorado is in the national spotlight and has been over the past two weeks and I guess will be this weekend, um, you're already seeing it on the recruiting trail. I mean, the visitors list for this night game, Jordan Seaton, top 247 offensive lineman at IMG Academy. He's expected to make his way out there. Boo Carter, productive two-way athlete out of Tennessee, committed to the Volunteers. He's also expected to be in Boulder. I mean, Steve Wiltfong has reported Bryce Underwood, the five-star quarterback in 2025, is interested in, in Colorado. Not sure if he's going to be there this weekend or the following weekend. And then Antoine Hill, another blue-chip quarterback in that 2025 cycle. So I think it certainly helps, and I think it helps in 2023 where everyone wants to get a photo with someone so they can post it and get the likes on Instagram. I think to Andrew's point, it, it, it can it can only help, right? It can't hurt. But what makes it even cooler is that they're 2-0 and they're winning, right? It's a little bit of a diminished effect if they're 1-1 one one or they're 0-2. I think the fact they, they come out, they shock the world against TCU week one, builds up all this momentum for a sellout crowd at Folsom Field for the first time in a, in a long time. And then they handle Nebraska at home after a little bit of a, a slow start in the first half. And now you kind of have this, everybody's on this Colorado train. I've heard people say, well, like they're America's team. Well, they're just fascinating. We haven't seen anything like them before, right? So they, they are must-watch TV every week. And even if you look beyond Deion Sanders, there, there's so many different storylines you can talk about. 80-plus new faces. Shador Sanders being a legitimate Heisman contender. Travis Hunter playing over 120 snaps a game. The job that they're doing in the transfer portal, you can talk about the receivers that they have. Jimmy Horn, Xavier Weaver, Dylan Edwards. I mean, there's so many different storylines with Deion Sanders. And we talked about it this past weekend about Deion Sanders, his ability to make everything personal. It's a gift. And I also think it makes it must watch TV. And then when you kind of throw in the type of people that he's connected to that are going to be there week in and week out, I mean, Michael Irvin Jr., Terrell Owens, I saw him in the locker room. Andrew mentioned Shannon Sharp. I mean, it's just crazy. It's like it's like a reality show, a college football, and then you have these guys winning in their first year. They're doing everything that people did not expect them to do, and it is like reality TV. I was trying to think, what are some of the other schools that consistently have celebrities on the sidelines, like USC? Texas. Texas but has I also like feel like – it's different, right? The Undertaker it, it's is different. It's different in the fact that, like, sure, a couple of celebrities will pop up at the Coliseum because it's LA, right? And it's that's that's Hollywood. Colorado, 
Boulder is not, uh, I mean, it's a 30 minute drive from the Denver airport. I got to double check on that, maybe 30, 45 minutes. And then you have people like, you know, who, who we've mentioned here on the show. And it's not like a, it's not a convenient flight, I guess is what I'm saying from people that work out of Connecticut, right? People all over, all over the country flying into Boulder to go see them play Nebraska or Colorado state. So yes, I think it's one, it's really neat Two, I think we're seeing the full effect of it because they're winning. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the more they win, the bigger story will be. And it's so crazy because I have friends of mine who aren't college football fans, big NFL fans, really don't watch college football and they're glued into Colorado. So I think Cooper, you made the point that like people are saying, oh, they're America's team. Well, the fact is they have most of America engaged when they play. So whether it was against TCU or whether it was against Nebraska this past weekend, and whether it's going to be when they play Colorado State this coming weekend at night, like they're going to have people that don't necessarily watch college football engaged in their games. And with that, more celebrities are going to come out, more big names are going to come out, and you're going to continue to see people like Stephen A. Smith, Shannon Sharp, Terrell Owens, other friends of Deion Sanders come to Colorado games. And it's obviously going to uh, to bring to bring big news with it. So thank you very much, Valhalla, for that question. Good question there. This next one is from Ryan and a really interesting one too, because it's on a topic that hasn't really been discussed in really over a year, but with the Bishop Sycamore, yes, a Bishop Sycamore question here on the football recruiting podcast with the Bishop Sycamore documentary now out on HBO. What were you guys thinking and saying after seeing their game, I think it was either last year or maybe two years ago against IMG Academy, in which IMG Academy was up, what, 50 or 60 to nothing in, in the first half, Ivans? I mean, what were you, as someone who's very close to IMG Academy, uh, thinking and, and saying when that was all unfolding? Well, have you guys seen the documentary? I have not. I have not. Not yet. Oh, my God. It's, it's, uh, watched it with the wife. And I've, Recommended it to so many different people that have no real background in it, and they can't believe the whole thing. Uh, I'll never forget that game. It was kind of the opening weekend of football, and or high school football, I should say. I mean, I remember I did. On ESPN. But yeah, but I, I remember, I think I did two games because they were playing a bunch of games in South Florida, and then I ended up driving across the state to see American Heritage lose to treasure coast uh and then the next day i mean you're pretty beat from being out in the sun so i was hanging out in my backyard and that game came on and you're like what is going on here um and i know you guys haven't seen the documentary but one of the players featured in the documentary they call him pahokee which is a city um in south florida it's known for its football players uh they just call the kid pahokee and as he was playing in that game I remember, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the guy who had tried out for the South Florida Express 7-on-7 team a a year or so prior. And they said when he came out for the team, they all had to provide a driver's license. Well, this kid, Pahokee, his name's also Adrian Brown, had used a fake ID to make it look like he was younger to play on this 7-on-7 team. So uh, I think I put that out there on Twitter at the time. It kind of went viral. but when you were watching it, it was like, what, like, 
what is going on here? Um, and then the documentary, I think, kind of gets into why that game was played, you know, who the finger should be pointed out. But the bottom line is I'm obviously well-versed in, in what happens at IMG, like have a ton of contacts there, spend a lot of time there. Not a lot of schools want to play IMG Academy. And the guy who sets up these games is featured in the documentary. I don't have his name in front of me, but he brings it up. I mean, no one wanted to play IMG Academy. Bishop Sycamore would. And it just happened to play out on ESPN on a weekend where a, a lot of people tuned in. Um, so that's my kind of takeaways. And being in this, this space, there are other programs like this high school programs that are very very shady around the country bishop sycamore is just the one that made it this far so um, it's a really sad story and i didn't realize this until you watched the documentary i mean they were using kids social security numbers to take out ppi loans i mean it's it's a bit of a mess so i feel bad for our all those kids involved um but this is the dark side of football everyone wants a chance everyone wants to make it d1 i think they do a good job of bringing that up in the documentary um but to me yeah that that pahokee adrian brown story i will never forget because as he tried to guard carnell tate i'm like oh my gosh this is the same kid who um is like 20 years old did anybody go to jail the coach has been to jail but there's not enough rules in place. Like it's not against the law in the state of Ohio. I, it's a mess. Like I would recommend watching it. And I know it's difficult to watch stuff during football season, but it's pretty eye opening. This whole, this whole uh, documentary. I just wonder because, you know, the other part of this, if there were any injuries that were suffered by IMG, right. And you got guys that for Bishop Sycamore that aren't technically eligible maybe they're a few years older. I mean, what does the liability look like there? Well, Bishop Sycamore had multiple players like tear ACLs when they were hit by, you know, Katron Allen, <laughs> trying to tackle Katron Allen in the open field. Um, and the documentary also reveals that it was a team kind of mixed of prep players and high school players, and they had played some other games before. So I was wondering when they were going to tackle that that subject and they kind of touched on it on the documentary but again as someone that tried is versed in this space it was like okay they were playing games with guys that were way over age eligibility like how can you do that um they stayed at hotels and and used fake checks i mean the whole thing is is just a bit of a mess now i do think two of the guys from that team are actually at louisville now in some type of walk-on role. Um, so, you know, it's it's kind of easy to, to root for some of those guys. And I think the big takeaway, or not one of the big takeaways, but again, man, I mean, there are people that are, are going to chase, chase the dream no matter what. And it's just sad to see some of these families, you know, get duped into what they think is one thing when it's when it's really the other. I think Andrew said it. I mean, I don't I don't have much to add to it. Andrew, a lot more familiar with the story than I am, but it is a, ultimately at the end of the day, it's a sad situation. And it could have been worse in my eyes, you know, like in terms of what we're talking about, the liability reasons and all that. But 
It, it like the last thing on it. I mean, this like high school football, the path to D one or FBS. It is a multi-million dollar business, and there are people that are willing and waiting to take advantage of innocent families. And it's the Bishop Sycamore is that's puts it on full display. But this is happening all around the country. You know, there are schools where it's kind of hard to judge what 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 the end goal is there. Besides, some people making money. Really, an interesting question, and. It will always be interesting to look back on it. Obviously, I need to watch the documentary based off what we're talking about right now. I haven't seen it yet. Um, it's definitely on one of. Uh, it's definitely on my list of things to watch alongside. Uh, Can I add an another angle here? Like, maybe this was also part of the question. I mean, but it's hard to take anything away from that game and apply it to the evaluation process. I mean, it was a complete mismatch. In like Carnell Tate had a, a touchdown. Um, like you couldn't really pull anything away from that. So it was it was kind of a waste for IMG in terms of like evaluation standpoint. Yes, the guys are on ESPN, but no one really left there with film, which you would think would have been an objective of playing that game. Yeah, I mean it's essentially equivalent to like a varsity team playing a pop Warner team, right? Like that's essentially what the equivalency of it is. It's you have a team of these talented players, these five-star elite prospects playing a team of, you know, obviously a lot of these guys were older than some of the players on IMG, but still a team that's nowhere near as talented and as skilled as the team they were going up against. So really an interesting topic and, and something we'll always be able to talk about because it, it happened. It was real life. It was really on ESPN. People really got duped into playing for this team and broadcasting it to the United States. And now we look back and say, how did all this happen? Really looking forward to watching this documentary and really looking forward to seeing uh, the behind the scenes of it all and, and hearing from these people that were directly involved. So a good question there from Ryan. Let's move on to our next question. This is from It's Barone. He asks, through two weeks, what is one team whose play on the field has helped them on the recruiting trail? And then follows up with, what is one team whose play on the field has hurt them on the recruiting trail? Coop, why don't you take it away? I should have been more prepared. I mean, I think the the team that jumps out immediately to me is Florida State. I think Florida State, in a lot of people's eyes, has turned into a legitimate contender. And you're talking about a team that I think is one of the more talented rosters in the country and they've built it. And I don't want to say an unconventional way, but they've done it in a different way. And I think that's, what's really fascinating. The irony of this is they've built this team via the transfer portal in terms of their top end talent. And now that you're seeing success, a, a big win against LSU to start the season, but you're seeing these guys play well in these games, right? I mean, you're seeing guys, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Jaheim Bell, Braden Fisk, Jared Verse. The irony in this to me is that now it opens up the doors to recruiting top-end talent at the high school level. And I think Florida State is in a unique position to capitalize on that. I would say the other team right now that we talked about it, I think, on the last pod, 
I think Miami's got to capitalize over these next three weeks, right? Bethune, Cookman, Temple, and Georgia Tech is who they have over the next three weeks. And they need to play good football, and they need to keep their foot on the gas pedal. And then they got Clemson. And that brings me to Clemson. Clemson on the other side, I mean, they got Florida State coming to town in two weeks. Andrew, they got FAU this week. And I know you you probably wanted to touch on that, but you can't overlook Tom Herman and FAU and Casey Thompson. But FAU just had their worst offensive performance since 2015. Let's let's pump the brakes on upset watch. All right, I'll pump the brakes there. But it was interesting. You you know, um, Dabo Sweeney got asked on his radio show about transfer portal and his usage and talked about he's not against the transfer portal. He wants to find the right fit, and I completely understand that. But in terms of what we've seen statistically, he is against the transfer portal. They've taken two players in the last two years. They've used the transfer portal the least out of any Power 5 program in all of college football. And I'm not pointing to the transfer portal and saying that's the one issue. Clemson, you know, we talk about like long-term ramifications. To me, the ramifications are setting in right now. Two years of not being able to adapt and take your ego out of it is costing them games now. And, you know, to me, I think we're seeing a little bit of a line change in college football. Somebody asked me yesterday in the office, Hey, is Alabama's dynasty over? Well, define dynasty. And the answer to that for me is yes. Is Alabama still a really good football team? Can they win 10 games a year? Can they compete for an SEC championship? Sure. Are they the same dynasty they were back in the early teens? No. The parity at the top of the game has completely changed. And to me, the teams that need to open their eyes have always been the teams that have been the haunted. Georgia's got a target on their back. Kirby Smart is going to keep doing what he's doing. Ohio State, Ryan Day, going to keep doing what he's doing. But you look at these teams like Nick Saban and Josh Pate talked about it last night. Their coaching staff, it's not up to the standard that it used to be. Every year, lack of continuity, new coordinators, People going in and out. Well, guess what? Now it's showing up. So I know it's a little bit of a soapbox, but now more than ever, the top of college football feels like any given Sunday in the NFL. I We could roll the ball out there, and I don't know what's going to happen between some of these top teams. You take out Stetson Bennett from the equation in Georgia, and it's like Georgia's going to be a really difficult team to beat. But are they beatable? Yes. It's not three, four, five teams that have this monopoly on all the talent of college football anymore in the transfer portal, NIL, and different ways to build your roster are the great equalizer. And the teams that fail to recognize this are the ones that are getting left behind. And trust me, it's not like Alabama is lacking for talent. But everybody else is closing that gap. So, and I think every year there's going to be one or more, one or two more teams that continue to close that gap. 
You saw it with Texas, Sarkeesian's third year. They're here. Will they win the national championship? I don't know. Are they good enough to go on the road and beat Alabama by 10 points? Yes. When was the last time that happened? Never happened. So, to me, like, Florida State, Colorado, Miami, look at how these teams have been built. And Miami's 2-0. I get it. I'm not overreacting to a 2-0 start. But they're, I think it's clear to say that that 2-0 Miami team is in no way, shape, or form reflective of that 5-7 and team just a year ago. So, I mean, that's that's my biggest takeaway is like for the first time in a long time, I used to be able to tell you before the season started, hey, here are, the, here are six teams. Four of these teams are going to play in the college football playoff. And for the first time in a long time, I can't tell you that. Is it going to be Oregon? Is it going to be USC? Is it going to be Washington? Is it going to be Notre Dame? Is it going to be Florida State, North Carolina? Is it going to be Alabama, LSU from the West? I have no idea. And I like that. I think that's good for the game. But I just see I, I see kind of like we're in this place in college football right now where it's like the guys who have been at the top, it's, it's an eye-opening experience. And this just all didn't happen overnight. This has been a culmination of what we've seen over the last two to three years and how these programs have adjusted to it. Alabama's going to be okay. I think that's more about a quarterback situation than it is about their their whole field of the roster. Clemson, on the other hand, I'm worried about, have been worried about for two or three years. I don't know if Clemson, we'd go here, but my thoughts on Clemson, the transfer portal takes from you. So sometimes you got to replace it, and I think that is an issue right now in terms of the depth, having players ready to go. Yes, you can develop guys in the system, but if you're losing guys to the portal every year and you're not bringing in veteran bodies, I think it's eventually going to catch up to you. Maybe we're seeing some of that right now. The other thought on Clemson and wanting to establish the right culture, Dabo's culture, Dabo's way, I mean, what does it say about – the current culture, if you can't bring in five, four or five guys every cycle to fill some of these holes, like what is that saying about your current state of affairs? So that's my thought on Clemson. I had written down for teams that have helped themselves after two weeks. I had Miami and Florida State. I think both those teams have marquee wins. And then I threw Texas in there. I think it's still very early. Um, all three of those programs have recruited well this cycle, previous cycles, getting a win, getting wins like they did. I think it's only going to continue to help them. And then for teams that have hurt themselves, Coop, I, was was Clemson your, your team that hurt themselves? Yes. Okay. I wrote down Nebraska, and I'm interested to see get your feedback on that. I mean, they're 0-2. I don't think anyone was expecting them to contend for the Big Ten here in Matt Rule's first year, but this isn't the start that they need. And I'm going to point to the offensive side of the ball. And I know Jeff Sims might have been the wrong guy to hit your wagon to outside of the transfer portal. But at the end of the day, 
Cornhuskers, 127th out of 133 FBS teams in scoring offense, 117th in total offense. I just think about guys like Carter Nelson, Ja'Cory Barney, some of those other guys on Nebraska's commit list. Take Barney, for example, guy Nebraska beat Miami for down in South Florida in the summer months. What is Ja'Cory Barney thinking right now when he sees Tyler Van Dyke throwing it all over the yard against Texas A&M? and Nebraska can't consistently move the ball down the field. So I'm not panicking on Nebraska. I just don't think it's the ideal start. And I think Matt Rule is going to be fine. Um, but just that offense, they got to get the offense better. The offense needs to improve. And sure, it's easy. Hey, well, you can be the missing piece for us. We need you and, and, and whatnot. But I think they have put themselves in position where there is going to be some negative recruiting um and that's all i mean I, I didn't really have a ton of ton of teams that have hurt themselves i think it's a little still still a little too early this maybe a month from now this might be a better question i agree with you i think the disappointing things so far that we've seen from nebraska as you mentioned is the offensive side of the ball but what credentials was it that ultimately at the end of the day told Matt Rule that Marcus Satterfield was the guy. You look at South Carolina outside of three games last year, which I have no idea what went on. Either Marcus Satterfield got stripped of his play calling duties at South Carolina, and then South Carolina went two and one over that span and went from averaging 28 points a game to 44 points a game. He completely flipped Spencer Radler's TD to INT ratio. Okay, if that was Marcus Satterfield, where is that guy at Nebraska? And then it's like, what are we doing? I'm with you. So, I, think, I think South Carolina could also be in this category, depending on what happens this weekend in Athens. That, they, they, not they have, just the loss to North Carolina, the way they lost that game was super disappointing to me. Right. I, I just think from a won the summer, tons of momentum coming off what they did at the end of, of 2023, and now you're one and two, and maybe you don't look – competitive at all against North Carolina and Georgia. You know, we, we talked about a week slate. I think that is a game to keep an eye on just to see what South Carolina looks like. Before we get to our next question, A&M, like where do you, where do you stand on them? Well, I, I wish I had brought this up in on Tuesday's podcast. Everyone wants to point to the defensive line at Texas A&M, all these highly ranked guys not getting pressure and all that. What about the secondary? I think the secondary sucks. And they have not recruited well at that position. Go back to the, the famed 2022 recruiting class, finished ranked highest of all time. I know they've lost Denver Harris, Smoke Bowie, but they have not reinforced that unit I think Javion Thomas was in there in that Miami game. Like that is one of the bigger issues for me with Texas A&M when you look at the roster. Like, what are they doing in the in the back seven? And I like Bryce Anderson, but that that unit could not tackle. I mean, they let Miami's receivers, which in the past have struggled to create separation, run free. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen at Texas A&M, but. You look up and they're holding the number four recruiting class. One in seven 
in their last eight games against Power 5 programs. Not ranked. Just Power 5. Joel Clapp brought that up. One in seven. You're talking about the team that had the highest ranked recruiting class in college football history two years ago. Here's the thing. I'm a huge believer in Texas A&M. From a program standpoint, you're telling me in the era of high school recruiting, NIL, in the transfer portal, A&M shouldn't be one of the most sought-out jobs in the country. One of the two most talent-rich states proved by the NFL draft year in and year out, also by the top 247. Recruiting's not the issue. They're recruiting their ass off. It's a it's a cultural issue. I'm not saying in the locker room, but it's like, and somebody take this personal. This is not good enough. Since when is this tolerable? It it isn't. Get somebody in there who cares, who's going to get these guys to play up to their potential. Connor Wegman's a dude, man. Well, that's always going to. I was I was going to bring this up as well. Like everyone points to the 2022 class and they're like, all right, is this group overranked? Were they overranked? And it's like, I think Walter Nolan's a dude. I think Evan Stewart's a dude. Shamar Stewart flashes. You just said it, Connor Wegman. Like those were four of five highest ranked guys in that class. I just think the bottom half has fallen off. They frustrate me. Those are one of those teams that, you know, it's like so much meat left on the bone. They leave a lot to be desired. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, our next question from B. Gottlieb. He asks, is Micah Hudson's commitment a one-off for Texas Tech, or is it a sign of what's to come for them in recruiting moving forward? You can go, Evans. Well, I want to just bring up uh, Chance Litton, 24-7 Sports, wrote a very interesting article this morning on 247sports.com. You can find it. Um, and he took a look back at the five stars that have signed with schools that traditionally don't get five stars and just what has happened to those guys. And he highlighted nine of them. Seven of them were drafted day one or day two. Uh, and that included five first rounders. So you got Travis Hunter, who signed with Jackson State, obviously is now at Colorado. Luther Burden, who is at Missouri. Uh, Peter Skaronsky, Northwestern. Charles Cross, Mississippi State. George Karloftis with Purdue. AJ Epinesa, Iowa. Ed Oliver, Houston. Landon Young, Kentucky. 
Demetrius Robertson, Cal, uh, and McTelvin Ingham uh, with Arkansas. So I just thought that was an interesting read from my perspective. Hey, guys, don't always go to the same schools. You know, what's kind of happened to them? And I think George Karloftis, AJ Epinesa, Ed Oliver are, are all good examples. So I would encourage people just to check that out. I think this is kind of um, the answer is somewhere in between. I don't, I don't expect Texas Tech and Joey McGuire to start landing the caliber of players that they just landed in Micah Hudson, but I do expect them to continue to upgrade the profile of their team. And there always there always has to be a first, right? And Micah Hudson, to me, is that guy. And if you've heard Micah Hudson talk about why he chose to go play for Texas Tech and Joey McGuire, to him, it's all about relationships. And I can, I can get behind that because I know what type of person Joey McGuire is, and I know how well thought of he is in the state of Texas. So I think Texas Tech, they're one of those teams, despite an 0-2 start, that if you kind of sift through that short-term fog, I think the future is so bright there. And you got a guy who's so genuine and authentic, knows that program, wants to be there, wants to build it for the long haul. And I think you're seeing some of the benefits of that. And this is a recruitment they had to dig down deep for. And to me, it's a testament that they can start 0-2 and still pull a player like that. That that guy says, you know what? I've seen everything I've needed to see. And two games is not going to throw me off of my decision that I feel convicted about, about Texas Tech. And you got to have that guy, right? You got to have that guy that says, follow me. And it's a copycat world that we live in. And Micah Hudson has now given Texas Tech that guy that people can look at other recruits and say, you know what? I want to follow his footsteps. Micah Hudson did it. So there's a path for me now. So I do think Texas Tech is in great hands with Joey McGuire. And I think they're going to continue to have an uptick on the recruiting trail in terms of being able to pull in five-star talent consistently. I don't know, but I do know it starts with one, right? So, and I think we saw that with like, honestly, if you're Texas Tech, what I would tell a Texas Tech fan is like, look at South Carolina. Nicholas Harbor last year, it's Dylan Stewart this year. You just build on it, right? And now you got a little bit of momentum. So now they got to do what they need to do on the field, but that's a, that's a big sign of improvement there in my eyes. I don't know if it's going to result in more five stars, but I think this is a sign of what's to come in terms of blue chip talent. Right now in the 2024 cycle, Texas Tech, four guys inside our top 247. That includes Micah Hudson. Uh, they also had Ivan Carvana committed, who ended up flipping to Oklahoma. Last year, they got one guy in, in, inside the top 247. That was safety Brendan Jordan, plus four guys we had ranked as four stars outside the top 247. I mean, if you go from 2022 to 2016, they never – I mean, they signed just three top two, four, seven prospects in, in that time frame. So I think this is a sign that they are going to add more difference makers. And I think the recruiting floor has risen under Joey McGuire. We've touched on it multiple times on this podcast. They have a very unique setup when it comes to their personnel department. 
I anticipate them. They're going to get four or five top two, four, seven players every single cycle. You look at the visitors list they had over the weekend with Oregon in town. Obviously, the game didn't go the way they wanted to go, but that thing was loaded with 2025s that are already inside our top two, four, seven for that cycle. Um, so I don't know if how many Micah Hudson's they're going to pull in, but I think they're going to consistently get more and more guys that other schools want. Um, and once Joey gets this thing going two or three years in, I think it's going to be easier. Uh, Jim Nagy, senior bowl director, heard him on a podcast. He was talking about how NFL scouts absolutely love the setup there in Lubbock. Um, I think more guys are going to get selected out of there. And I think recruits are going to take notice because even in this NIL era, guys still want to see that, hey, you can get me get me to the league. The checks are going to keep coming. So um, that's how I feel on Texas Tech. And, of course, per the 24-7 Sports all-time commits, Micah Hudson is Texas Tech's top-ranked commit ever. So a big pull there for Joey McGuire, a uh, big get for Texas Tech landing the in-state five-star wide receiver, a top 20 player for us nationally at number 19, as we currently talk here on September 13th. Our final question of the mailbag comes from Omar M. Either one of you can take this. I'm sure you both have good answers for it. He asks, what would you recommend underclassmen high school athletes do? to get noticed by 24-7 Sports as well as get noticed in terms of their recruiting as a whole. Either of you guys can take this one. I'll start first. Uh, we are a month into the high school football season. Make sure you have early season highlights up. Like everyone should do that. And it would be surprising how many kids you go across and there are no early season highlights. And yes, we, along with college programs, you know, have access to full games, but um, it's a it's a manpower thing. So if you want to be noticed, even if you are a, a sophomore, a junior, this isn't just seniors. Like as soon as you get two, three games, make sure you're putting that up. Make sure it's available for everyone and make sure, you know, you're you're, you're posting it on your your social medias. I, I would think that is one thing that instantly came to mind, Coop, as we uh as we pour through the tape here in uh, the dog days of September. Yeah, it's going to sound a little selfish, right? But find a way to make the evaluator's job a little bit more easier, right? That's what it is. And I can't tell you, it's like such a refreshing feeling when you go to a prospects page and it's all of a sudden they have single game highlights or first three weeks of the season and it's 20 clips and it's all point of attack. All that helps. It really does. I mean, it, it's the difference between – hey, I don't know if I have time to go through a game and be able to find this player that I do, but I'm going to have to circle back on that so some other guys are going to be the priority because it's the more efficient thing to do as an evaluator. You got to remember, it's a mass volume of prospects we're dealing with. The other thing, as an underclassman, I would say, the offseason is so important, especially heading into that junior season. So trying to build any type of momentum through the camp circuit is really important. Verified testing, we've talked about that. But the other part of this, multi-sport athletes, they really stick out, right? So whether you're playing basketball, track and field, baseball, so on and so forth, anything you can do in that area or that arena, it's only going to be a bonus. It doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter if you average less than five points a game, whatever it is. I think it, it shows us something, right? We're able to take something away from that. Track and field, very important as well to be able to hone in on that skill over three years. And then for us, imagine us being able to see that growth over a three-year period. Maybe it's the first time you're running the 100 meter or the first time you're doing the hurdles or the first time you're throwing the shot or disc if you're an offense or defensive lineman. So I think all those, for, for us, simply put, we want to make this process as objective as possible. And for you, the prospect, Try to take the subjectivity out of it. Subjectivity is going to t- come when we turn on the tape. That is what it is. But the objectivity of, hey, I know this player, player X, runs this verified time speed. I know that he recorded this in the triple jump or the high jump or the long jump, whatever it is, is only going to put you in a position to succeed. So I would encourage track and field definitely depending on the position but multi sports as well i think all those can only help and to piggyback on that cooper i mean i think no information is bad information right so when you go and and you test places and you know you run track times at least you have those and i think there are people that coach up these athletes and and whatnot and are are looking for their best interest and sometimes they discourage testing and they, and they discourage, you know, running track. DJ Turner, who ran the fastest time at the 2023 NFL scouting combine, the only laser time he had in high school was 472. And he ended up going 426 inside the turf in Indianapolis. Like, no time is bad time. Um, we're going to give consideration to the guys with the most information. So, you should be playing multiple multi-sports if you can. I think basketball is a, a, a good one. You mentioned track and field. You know, you don't have to be a sprinter. Um, there are a, a ton of different events, high jump, triple jump, uh, hurdles, uh, shot put, discus. You know, we, we consider that. Baseball, uh, wrestling. I mean, there are a variety of different things that you can do. You need to make it where you are known. Now, when it comes to the camps, be smart about it because I, I talk to parents all the time. Hey, should we go to this camp? They're, they're charging this amount of money. I think the most valuable camps you can go to besides camps at the schools that have expressed interest in you uh, would be anything associated with the UC report. I've talked to those guys uh, recently. You know, they're going to be doing more and more uh, combines where you can sign up. Any of those events, you know, you're looking to get recruited. I would highly recommend doing anything with the UCU reports name to it. Um, what are they, Cooper? They have 64 of the 65 Power 5 schools subscribed to them. Those They create a profile for you. The colleges can see you. They have camp video there. So I, I would highly, highly, highly recommend that. And then one final thing, because is, is this the end-all, be-all? No, but I do think it helps if you guys make it a easier for your statistics to be found (laughs) so at the end of the season when you post your highlights make sure you have your stats in there um and because the sometimes on max preps we can't find them i mean colleges are looking for statistics as well i think sometimes that is uh that is an overlooked aspect i mean it's just another data point for us hey this is what i did so i i hope we're answering the question i know we've thrown a lot out there Yeah. Uh, Bottom line answer, there's a lot that you can do, right? And I think the biggest thing is it's an information game. Make that information as easily 
as accessible as possible. Yeah. I mean, good answer by you guys. I do think one other thing that I've seen a lot of coaches post on Twitter before is like, make your Twitter profile name, your actual name. Don't make it something that like is so abstract and out of the ordinary where people can't then find your Twitter, especially if you then post highlights on your Twitter. I've just seen coaches post that, you know, if your name is Joe Smith, you know, make sure if they search Joe Smith on Twitter that you pop up and don't make your Twitter profile name something so different than Joe Smith. Um, just to, you know, my two cents as someone who isn't an evaluator. One final thought. Play both sides of the ball if you can. Be Travis Hunter. No. <laughs> <laughs> not, not like that. But uh, I know. I'm kidding. You know, sometimes we come across these prospects and they are a big fish in a, in a small pond. And they're only playing on one side of the ball. It's like, why? You know, show that you're a competitor. Show that you are going to do whatever it takes to win the game. Because listening to the other side, the college side, I mean, I think football IQ, football temperament, the drive to win is going to be so much more important in the evaluation process moving forward just with the current landscape with the transfer portal nil people want to recruit kids that want to be there for the right reason so that's something else to keep in mind well good five questions on today's mailbag uh, good answers remember that if you want your questions answered by cooper and andrew make sure to send them in via that five-star rating and review on apple Podcasts, and of course when I put that tweet out on the 24-7 Sports Twitter, usually around noon Eastern on, on Tuesday, you can also send in your tweets and questions that way too. So, Cooper, I will uh, throw it back to you. Guys, we appreciate you listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Some great news here, Producer Lance. I don't know if I, I've said it yet. We are over 700,000 downloads for the year. Our goal is what? What are we? A million. Over a million, right? Over a million. I think we could get to a million. It's, it's September 13th, right? So we have October, November, and December. We're less than 300,000 away currently. We got this. We got this. So tell a friend. Those are rookie numbers. Let's get those numbers up. 707,209 downloads. Fires me up. Week three of college football. We're the people to bring you all the recruiting news. Stay with us all the way through. If you know, you know. The diehards live right here with the Oyster Boys on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show. Leave a five-star review. I got to give a shout-out real quick. Bobby Zins left a review on Thursday. He said, five-star info. Just want you guys to pick up the energy a little bit. Hey, Bobby Zins, I hear you, baby. Andrew and I, we're going to take that personally. And we're going we're gonna to ramp it up a little bit for you, Bobby Zinn. So I hope you're listening out there, my friend. Guys, we appreciate you listening to the show. One more day in the week, Thursday podcast, back here tomorrow. For Andrew Ivins, producer Lance Glenn, I'm Cooper Batagna. We'll see you tomorrow. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!